0: ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the passive cash flow podcast i'm your host aaron Fragnito. we have an exciting guest with us today how are we doing today Sari? hey aaron thank you so much for having me on i appreciate it man absolutely absolutely i want to have you on the podcast here because you are in a similar space as me uh helping people invest in real estate uh working with infinite banking and using life insurance policies to kind of turn one dollar into two or three four five six seven eight nine ten right as many dollars as possible Uh, avoid paying taxes and just guiding people over well over overall with their wealth and and direction and investments. And uh, so I want to have you on the on the show here so we can kind of share our thoughts from years of doing this uh, together and what we've learned. Uh, But uh, how's your day going over there so far?
1: So far, so good. It's the the middle of um, winter here in Chicago and similar. I think you're in New Jersey, right? So similar weather. We have
0: snow. It's like five degrees right now. So Mm. dealing with Chicago weather right now. Yeah, it doesn't get that cold in Jersey. I actually used <laughs> to live in Vermont, so I'm used to real cold. You know, so now when it's like 30, people are shivering here. I'm like, nah, guys, this is a spring day. It's like that's like May in Vermont. You know, so <laughs> uh, Chicago's a little colder than us, but uh, yeah. that's all good, my friend. Windy City, there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. But um, so yeah, so talk a little bit about what you do uh, with your company there.
1: Yeah, definitely. So we have a company called Financial Asset Protection. So we're a financial services firm. We do like financial planning strategies, asset protection through like some of our attorney referrals. And a lot of our focus is for real estate professionals, like real estate agents, real estate brokers, and a lot of syndication, uh, general partners and limited partners of syndication. So. And then that also brought us to the podcast, Thinking Like a Bank podcast. And our podcast is heavily focused on like applying banking principles in your everyday life. So not necessarily like for the actual banking profession as a career, but more so like you're a real estate investor, you're a business owner, you want to think of like different creative ways of accessing capital, like Mm -hmm. lowering your taxes, like uh, check out our podcast, Thinking Like a Bank podcast, because that's exactly what we talk about on a podcast. And that's also like the brand where we're building like the Thinking Like a Bank brand is really like... Not just think like a real estate investor or think like a business owner but really like think like a bank like apply some of those strategies and principles in your life you know to kind of excel your revenue lower your taxes increase your net worth and
0: so on at people's capital group we help you invest in real estate Build your wealth by owning professionally managed apartment buildings in the northern New Jersey market. We want to show you how owning real estate is attainable, even for the busy professionals that don't have the time or experience investing in real estate. Now, we only work with select people who are serious about building wealth. So find out if you qualify at peoplescapitalgroup.com. mm -hmm, Absolutely. It's amazing how banks operate. You know, (laughs) um, (laughs) I, you know, if you really think about it, um, it's a little bit of a Ponzi scheme because they actually take your money and lend it out to other people and then charge interest. And then if they run out of money, they just need to get more deposits of other people's money. And then like yeah. if I, Seth and I always joke, if we ran our business like a bank, we'd be in jail, right? Because we're allowed to do that. So, um, you know. But I, I digress. Of course, we love banks. We work with banks to buy all of our assets, and yeah. it's a great. Uh, partnership that we have with banks in fact you could argue they're our most important investor uh because they bring the majority of the capital to buy properties of course um so so that's interesting though think like a bank podcast great title um but how does one go about thinking like a bank
1: yeah yeah absolutely I mean it's we kind of have like these steps right it's like and it, and it falls in line with our financial planning steps so it's like like Kind of you know this is not like a hard rule but like step number one like know your financials like know your numbers like really well like how much you make how much you spend what your current assets are where your current investments are projected internal rates of return and it sounds a little bit like daunting to go through all of that for some people especially high net worth people like that's going to be a lot of work to do but we kind of created this like personal financial tracker that you can go through it takes like five minutes a day five to like 10 minutes a day of going through and you can kind of list out your assets your cash flow your expenses and things like that And what really happens from this is like, it makes it into like a game where it's like, you're, you're you're understanding your numbers really well. And a lot of times, um, I I was reading this book called Deep Work and this, the book is awesome because it talks about how people over exaggerate their mental accounting, like the numbers, like, Oh, I made 300,000 last year. I spent about 200,000 invested a hundred thousand. Those numbers are usually like way off right they're off. just they're just going based off their memory and yeah. you know i think like solid accounting and like really emphasize into your numbers is is crucial because it it makes it more logical and it makes your decisions more accurate so that's kind of the first layer yeah. And then after that, it's really it's really understanding like how a bank operates. As you mentioned, I love how you mentioned like a kind of Ponzi scheme, not really actually a Ponzi scheme, they're right. you know, like, licensed FDIC insured bank, you know. <laughs> but, but really, you, you are right in the sense that when you go to a bank and like let's just say you borrow a thousand dollars from a bank, it's not like they have a vault behind them and they're gonna go take out a thousand dollars and give it to you. Right. The reality is those are probably other people's deposits mm-hmm. and you know money from the Federal Reserve. So there's they're using other people's money to loan you money, and they're essentially the real definition of a bank is it's like a, a conduit or like a bridge. Like they connect somebody who wants money with somebody who has money and that's it. Think right. of like a blood bank, right? right. Like somebody's blood, somebody's giving blood, somebody's taking blood. you sure. It's just like a bridge. So applying those same thinking principles in your, in your business can help amplify your business. Mm-hmm. Same is true. Like, like this, I see this a lot with real estate investors where I, I interview a lot of general partners who have syndications and they owe oh, a lot of them talk about the same stories. It's fascinating. Like I want to get into real estate. I bought one property. It was a big deal. I fixed it up. I sold it. I kind of broke even. And I was like, how are people getting rich off of this? And then they started learning about multifamily syndications and yes. self-storage. And now they're expanding their horizon. They're, right. they're expanding their minds by bringing on more more people. And it's it's not just the real estate investor making more money. It's also their investors making more money, right? Yeah. There's a vehicle for them to place their funds and, and grow their real wealth. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the like two general parts of like thinking like a bank.
0: Right, right. No, I love it. I love it. And, you know, you're absolutely right. We all do this and I'm guilty of this too, but I talk to investors all, all the time and some of the most savvy investors, you know, it's, it, it's really easy to overestimate what you're making on an investment. Yeah. Um, you know, cause, uh, I often talk to people in the conversation goes like, yeah, I own a, a property. I own a three family property. You know, I get $4,000 a month in rent from the property. And, you know, my mortgage is uh 2000. So I'm making $2,000 in cash flow on it, you know, a, a, a month. And, uh, you know, so if I make an investment with you, I want to make two thousand dollars a month in cash flow. And I say Okay, well, that's good. So, you know, um, do you also pay taxes? Do you have property tax? Yeah, okay. Oh, do you have insurance? Oh, we, we yeah, do you have uh maintenance? Does anything ever break on the property now and then? Yeah, okay. Um, you know, do you ever have to get the long cut or like does it snow? You know, and get the oh, yeah, yeah, we have a guy that goes and does that, you know, okay. And then, you know, we kind of work our way down the numbers and and you know without rubbing in their face of course we kind of gently come to the conclusion that they're actually not making two thousand out of the four thousand a month they're making maybe more like four or five hundred you mm-hmm. know and, yeah. uh, at the end of the day and um so uh now still that's not bad it's always good you know a few hundred dollars a month on a three family is pretty much what you would expect here at least in north jersey um so but it, everyone does that and i do that myself right and uh the kind of underestimating expenses as well sometimes right yeah, my mortgage is this and that, you know, and, and, uh, my lifestyle costs this much, you know, what do I have a car payment, a house <laughs> payment? You know, my, my wife, uh, blows a thousand bucks on Amazon. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So my, what's my expenses, four or five hundred five thousand a month, you know, and then it's like eight and you're like, what yeah, happened? Yeah. You know, and exactly. Start yelling at your wife? That's that, that's not good for your marriage. So, um, so, yeah, that that is something we all do. Um, and it's really interesting you you bring that up. So it's smart to be thinking more uh, and actually write it down. Right. Because yeah. the end of the day money is quite simple. It's dollars yeah. and cents. You write it down. It's a bottom lo- number thing. And that's why a lot of people have a problem with it, because if your personality is more like sociable type B, yeah. you know, not so much type A um spreadsheets and numbers and bottom lines kind of scare you or like turn you off you know it's funny because i'm a i'm a type b guy but i'm totally have to be in the bottom you know when you're running a business you got to be type a and b depending on the time of day uh sometimes you're both at the same time so uh you know but it's really incredible that that scares people writing down numbers getting to the bottom line having to record your expenses it's it's kind of like having to uh write down what you eat, you know, and change your diet. It's a very personal thing. And uh, so when you work with people on the front, you want to understand it's a personal thing you're asking them to do. Um, But that's a great way to guide people. Sounds like you've had a lot of success with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we made it so simple. Like, you're right. A lot of most people are not going to have spreadsheets and all these financial trackers. It's it's out, it's usually outside of their scope outside of their expertise and it's also like I mean it's just it's it's kind of a very mundane boring thing to do right so we made it very simple where it's like there's no thinking at all involved it's just kind of like you're just every day logging into this tracker and then seeing what your like bank account is what like your projected value to be in the real estate deal you're in and then just lays it out every day. And again, I do this every day. Like I do this probably five, six days a week. Sometimes I, I miss a day or two, but it's like going to the gym. It's like you're constantly doing it. And then you start learning more about yourself. And right. then you're surprised. Like, you know what? Actually, I'm a good saver. Or actually I need to figure out a way to save or, or whatever. You start to learn more about yourself. And these behavioral traits you have, have a big effect on your entrepreneurial goals. Like if if you can't save a dollar, you're going to have a very hard time running a business because businesses are not always profitable. They don't always cash flow. So you need to figure out a way where it's like if your business expenses are 5,000 this month, but you made 3,000, which is very common in business. How are you going to fill in that $2,000 gap? Well, okay, i have to get financing for that or I have to tap into reserves or I have to be able to raise money or borrow money or whatever. Like you need to have those... Uh, vehicles or those positions available to you. And again, behavioral trends within your savings have a big impact on how successful you become as an entrepreneur. So you see a lot of successful entrepreneurs, they're really good at saving. And I think that's a very general term to say, like being good at saving. I think it's more of, you know how to allocate money. You know where money goes. Another thing too that I've noticed is having like four saving strategies is a really smart thing to do for, for, for people because if you have the flexibility of putting money in a checking account and then moving into conveniently moving into a savings account and then conveniently taking out of a savings account and then putting it in your SIT checking and then spending it, a lot of people do that. Um, it, it becomes harder to save. But what if you had this savings account where, like, you put like five hundred dollars a month into it, and it's only like one way, like money goes into it. Right. And then if you want money out, like you have to go through like two or three hoops to get it. Then you're more likely to keep the money there because it's a hassle to come out and you're yeah. more likely to keep putting money into it because it's automatic and coming out every month. So we have, again, thinking like a bank, we're applying these kind of, we're taking away the human behavior out of these mm-hmm. and just placing in like logical trends to increase your savings. And, and, and of course, unlock those savings to invest in real estate deals and to really compound your money every year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. You know, and you're absolutely right. And I make that mistake, too. You know, I cashed out. I mean, I'm always cashing out real estate deals. That's primarily how I'm paying myself through refinance of assets or sale of assets. So, you know, last year I had a couple of good exits on some properties and mm-hmm. I was quite flush. And I said, uh, let me get into this crypto game that all my <laughs> friends are talking about. You know, my buddy was a school teacher. He literally was like about to quit his job because he did so well in crypto. He bought like a bunch way early on and like crushed it and but he never sold and now i'm worried about him i think he's depressed so i gotta (laughs) i gotta call him he's like really depressed it's sad yeah it's it's tough because you know you people put their life savings into that crap you know and now look at him and um so, you know, I, I was such a fool, you know, here I am investing in brick and mortar assets, you know, producing good returns in real estate, coming out of some really nice investments, you know, very profitably and thinking, oh, you know, I need to diversify. Where should I put a lot of this cash? You know, oh, here, you know, cryptocurrency, something I know nothing about, a completely volatile market, investing at the top of it. Um, and of course, I got soaked. So I still, you know, I didn't sell any, I still have it, but it just, um Was goes to show, like, if I didn't sell those assets and I didn't refi, if that money just stayed in real estate, it would have been better off than me ever touching it, you know. Um, and I it was an attempt to diversify. Most of my wealth is in real estate. So I am trying to diversify a little bit outside of real estate, although I'm a huge, obviously, real estate fan. So most of my wealth does go back into our opportunities and things like that. But um, you know, it was really incredible. If you give if we, if we take the money off the table and all of a sudden now we're the financial advisor, now we're the wealth advisor, that's, that's a recipe for disaster, you know? And here I was thinking, I was like smarter than someone else, you know, just knowing that, you know, oh, it's an opportunity, you know, that no one else could, well, I, everyone was talking about it, Right. That's why it didn't really work out. That's why it was a bubble. Right. But um, just it's, we're, we're not, you know, with your own money, you're blinded by your ego, yeah. you're blinded by you know oh i did really well on an investment i must know what i'm doing yes i know what i'm doing in real estate not in cryptocurrency you know not even in the stock market right if right. i was to go invest in the stock market with the funds i would have probably just parked it in a mutual fund or something mm-hmm. like that or possibly called up some of the stock i know and been I'm a little more aggressive in some ways but you know i'm really not going to go out and pick stocks it's not what i do um mm-hmm. so and and here I am getting confused that oh I made all this money in real estate so I must be an overall good wealth and you know investor just in all asset classes but that was we couldn't be further from the truth, um so by not being able to touch that money I get that completely that that's yeah. an interesting strategy you know
1: yeah and that's a good point too because when you look at investing in like syndications like just to be transparent right one of the downsides to investing in real estate is that it's not liquid like if you put hundred thousand dollars in a property you can't call the next day and get it out most of the time you can't do that. But I think that's actually an advantage because imagine if you had all this money tied up and then everybody was able to just to sell their positions like you can on like Robinhood with stocks, you know, it's going to decrease the value of that asset dramatically if everyone was able to get their money out of it. So by everyone joining together and locking up their money and waiting three to five years until that exit, that's where you can see real returns. And again, it's for the advantage of it. There's a reason why you can't just put money into and take money out. There's loans, there's, you know, renovations happening, you know, value add going on. So I completely get that. And I, and I like that kind of forced, uh saving where the money's already been deployed it's already now if i need more money i go and work or you know sell more or whatever i'm doing to to get that money not necessarily liquidate an asset i think that you know keep the keep that asset moving keep it growing it's working right it's gonna take a couple of years to see the results of it but just let that grow and then go out and do whatever else you're doing like your actual w-2 job or your active self-employment where you're actually making money day to day keep that growing so that way you're kind of forced to um you know, keep making money and and keep saving more money.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's what it's all about. And that's why I like our investments as well. You know, it does force people to invest long-term. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, I'll talk to a very savvy investor with maybe seven figures or so to put to work. And their question is how long Can I, well, it depends on the investor, right? But how long can I put my capital to work with you, right? Because if it's a short period of time, then they're in, they're out, then they got to go find another opportunity. Uh, They may have to pay capital gains tax on a quick investment that cashes out very quickly. So, you know, the more savvy investors say, how long can I keep my capital earning this, right? Just like if you go to the bank for a CD right now, Mm -hmm. an 18 month or or 12 month CD is 4%. Uh, An 18 month CD is like one and a half percent you know, uh, a six month CD is like 1.8. So it's really interesting. It's like the sweet spot with CDs, you know, you can do a a 12 month, but you can't lock that in for three years. You know, if you want to do a three year CD, it's like 1%, right. But if you want to do a 12 month, it's all of a sudden 4%, you know, which is really, you know, interesting. And that's, that's because, you know, the time value money also where the rates are expected to go and so on.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but, it, it, you know, good investors, savvy investors say, how long can I keep my capital at work so I don't have to go find a new home for it? Right. Yeah. A new place to invest. And less savvy investors say, how fast can I get my money back? Oh, yes. taxes. I don't care uh, that. I don't care. How fast can I get it back? You know? And if that's your mindset and you're that nervous about the investment or the operator that don't invest in them because yeah. <laughs> if you're thinking you know, as soon as the money leaves your pocket, you're thinking when can I get that back? You're not thinking about money the right way. You know, money yeah, is a right. tool. When I see my money sitting in my checking account, you know, puts a little smile on my face. But when I see it there a month later, if I don't have a place to put it, which, you know, I always do being a real estate investor, but, you know, yes. then that makes me unhappy too, right? So when I see my cash is laying around, it irks me, you know, right. um, which is a good uh, kind of subconscious understanding of how money works, you know, where uh, when I see it at work, and I see the returns coming in, that's what really makes me satisfied, you know?
1: Absolutely, yeah, because if that money is sitting in your bank account, it's losing to inflation, and then plus you're losing the opportunity cost you could have earned had that money been invested, you know, somewhere else. So like if a couple years, I mean, I'm sure a couple years won't pass by with you not investing, but let's just say a couple years pass by, Mm -hmm. theoretically, you could have maybe doubled that money, right, in like three or five years, depending on the real estate deal. um, I think that's pretty normal, right, to double your money in five years in real estate as a a limited partner or as a general partner. So that, that money could have been doubled. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I definitely get that by not leaving the money in the bank account. I think it's just like maybe for emergency funds, like immediate Im- Im- immediate emergency funds and then also just as like a vehicle to put money into and pay your bills out of, but like very short
0: term with a bank account then
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to investing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's switch gears for a second here. Um, So let's talk about life insurance, right? Uh, Do things are for certain death and taxes. So life insurance is a way to kind of uh, recognize both of those uh, headwinds and get ready for them. Um, And uh, so you do the infinite banking right now. Mm -hmm. I've had a couple podcast episodes a little while ago about infinite banking, uh, high cash value life insurance policies, right? There's lots of different names for it um what what exactly is that
1: yeah it's exactly said it's high cash value whole life insurance so like for those who have no idea what infinite banking is or haven't heard any other, other podcasts on it it's essentially a whole life insurance policy and it has two parts to it it has life insurance like the title of it and then it has cash value in it and the cash value in it could be used very similar to like a savings account except the difference is it's a it's much it's like 30 times the interest you would get in the savings account um compared to a whole life policy Mm -hmm. Um, and you could use the whole life policy to invest in real estate to just grow cash to to actually be your source of retirement income for anything you want so that's essentially what infinite banking is it's using cash value whole life insurance for self banking purposes for you becoming your own banker Mm -hmm. you accessing the money using for whatever you want and in doing so there's some broad benefits like tax benefits uh Mm -hmm. liquidity benefits and i think like a risk of course risk benefits so like you're hedging against risk by using these policies so that's kind of like generally why people do infinite banking and and how you can use it for real estate investing
0: Okay, very cool. And and the whole idea is you can kind of put a lot of cash into it, overfund the policy from day one. Say you put a hundred thousand dollars into the policy or something, and pretty much be able to pull about eighty percent of that or so out within the next thirty days or so. Is is that how the product works?
1: Precisely, yeah, exactly. You're right. So you could put a hundred thousand in, take out eighty thousand, use that to invest in like real estate or somewhere else, and then and then when you do that you actually borrow against the asset. So your whole life policy becomes it's like its own asset, right? It has a market value, it has its own asset. And then when you take out all the money out, you're you're borrowing against the asset. Same thing if you have real estate, you borrow against it. You're not interrupting the market value of that property. Same thing here, you're, you're borrowing against it. So the value of your asset keeps growing. It actually guarantees to keep growing. There's a contractual agreement that it keeps growing even when you have money borrowed against it so Mm -hmm. now what you're able to do is use one asset to fund another asset to fund another asset and so on Mm -hmm. it keeps growing and then it becomes like this arbitrage arbitrage is where you borrow from the policy you use that money that you borrowed to invest somewhere for example and then you still have to pay interest on the money you borrowed from the insurance company but there's an arbitrage meaning that the money that grew grew in the policy outpaced what you paid to borrow that money There was a spread, like you borrowed at X and then you earned Y and then Y was greater than X. So like there was a spread between that. And again, this is thinking like a bank, right? Banks borrow from point A and they sell at point B and there's like a spread between there. Right. So that's kind of what you can use. One of the ways you can use infinite banking is you can use it for your real estate because instead of just taking money out of like a checking account and then investing into a real estate syndication, you could take money out of the whole life policy, invest in a real estate syndication. And then when that deal closes or exits, then you could take that money and then repay that loan, and then recycle that process again. Or you can use the distributions you get from the real estate deal to pay the policy loan back over time, mixed with like your W two income or other sources of income, and then repeat that process again. So there's a lot of create many many creative things you can do with this.
0: Right, right, right. And then you you have the death policy, of course. Mm-hmm. Now let's say you have a hundred thousand dollar death policy. Uh, you pull out eighty thousand dollars against the, uh, mm-hmm. the um the uh, a whole life uh, policy there. And then let's say you passed away. Is the death policy a hundred minus that 80, or is it still a hundred thousand dollar death policy? Not so, it,
1: so it depends on a couple of things. So let's just say somebody puts a hundred thousand and that's their premium going into it. Depending on their age, the life insurance is probably gonna be about four times. It. So their life insurance day one is gonna be like about 400,000. Maybe it could be less or more, but let's just use it as an example that it's 400,000. Right. And then let's just say they borrowed 80,000, right? and then they died like a month later, then the insurance company would take 400000 subtract the outstanding loan, so let's just say 80000 and then pay out your beneficiary $320,000. So in, in, in every situation, it's when somebody passes away when there's an outstanding loan, it's the the, it's the total life insurance minus the outstanding loan that goes to the beneficiaries. And the, and the life insurance amount is usually significantly higher than the cash value. So right. you it's really, in most situations, it's impossible for your um your loan to exceed what the life
0: insurance will be. Mm, okay. Very interesting. All right. Wow. So, okay. That's a great tool. I have investors that use that tool. That's mm-hmm. why I enjoy having people on the podcast that I can talk about this uh, tool very wisely as you have here. And um, it's really a nice marriage with what we do in real estate because mm-hmm. it creates that long-term wealth security. It creates a, a great death benefit, of course, uh, for the one thing that is all gonna happen all of us at some point. Yep. And then um, I love how you can borrow against it, you know, tax-free, the growth of the policy covers, covers the cost of that money yep. you're pulling back out. And then the policy continues to grow over time. So you have you have another, you know, bucket of, of wealth growing there. You have a death policy, a death benefit. And then over here, you're using the majority of the cash, again, to reinvest in income-producing assets, and you can kind of just rinse and repeat. It's, it's a great cycle there. Um,
1: yeah, exactly. And if we're going to, like, for example, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, if, if we're going to compare it to, like, an IRA, IRAs are really good to invest in real estate, too, but there's some downsides. Like, one of the downsides being when you invest in an IRA is that... Uh, you can't touch the money inside it like you can invest within the ira but you can't take cash out of that un- until you're 59 and a half and if you do so before you can pay you have to pay taxes and a 10 percent tax penalty yeah. but with the whole life policy there are no restrictions like that you can put cash in take cash out there's no age requirements Uh, the, the, the loans are tax-free, the withdrawals are tax-free and then plus when you use an IRA to invest in real estate, that real estate deal has to be passive, right? Like you can't be involved at all in that real estate deal. It has to be entirely passive with whole life. It can be passive or active. So it doesn't really matter. So there's a lot more control uh, Mm -hmm. compared to other retirement vehicles out
0: there. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Sari, really interesting stuff here. I'm really enjoying what we're learning about here. Um, how can people get in touch with you to learn more about what you guys do there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Aaron. So they can go to thinkinglikeabank.com. Again, it's thinkinglikeabank.com. They could download our ebook, they can find our podcast, connect with me on LinkedIn, YouTube, everything is at thinkinglikeabank.com.
0: Okay, excellent, excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show here. I really enjoyed it. And of course, I'm Aaron Fregnito, uh, co-owner of People's Capital Group. We actually have an event coming up here February 21st in uh, Somerset, New Jersey, the Jersey Cyclone Brewery there. Now you're not, oh, you're in Chicago, of course. So it's a bit of a hike for you to make it to that one. But uh, we do a new podcast every single week here on the Passive Cash Flow podcast. We also have webinars Thursday at 11 a.m. We go live with those who team up with different people in the industry and out of the industry and of course uh, we always do our in-person events uh this will be on the third tuesday of the month this february because of course valentine's day but normally we do them on the second tuesday of the month so if you are a follower of our podcast here and you're enjoying our content be sure to hit that subscribe button so you can get our future episodes if you're following us on youtube or other podcast platforms and then uh come to one of our events they're a lot of fun we're usually a packed house 70 to 80 people out there it's at a brewery so uh a ticket includes a. Uh, a free drink there, so it's a good time. We have a lot of fun, and I'll be speaking about the art of the deal this month. So if you're listening to our podcast, check that out. You, of course, can learn more about that at peoplescapitalgroup.com. That's our website, peoplescapitalgroup.com. We can learn about real estate investing and helping people, how we help people put their capital to work in real estate. All right, thank you so much, my friend, for coming on. And what's your website, one more time?
1: Thank you, it's thinkinglikeabank.com.
0: Excellent, excellent. All right, Sari, have a good day, my friend. We'll talk soon.
1: Thanks, Sarah. Appreciate it.